Hey everybody, welcome to the Generation Church Podcast, a podcast about everyday people who are committed to expanding God's family because of Jesus for generations to come. My name's John, I'm the engagement pastor here, and I'm sitting here today with Kyle. You know what it is? Let's do this! Dude, it's a little bit different this week, lots of stuff is changing, it's kind of fun. We're trying out a new stream thing here, so we can sit here and interact with you straight uh, directly. We encourage you, if you're watching on our Facebook Live right now, to interact with us. Drop us a comment. Ask a question while we're going through. Or just say, Kyle, I need you to clarify because you just rambled for like five minutes. Please, and please I need, do that. Please do that. He goes a little on uh, some tangents every now and then. He does it on Sundays too. We love him. We pray for him. But even just pop on and say hi to us. Let us hey, know you're watching. Hey, listen though. What? Today is St. Patrick's Day and neither one of us are wearing green. So what's up with that? Now, I'm not going to pinch you because we're, what is it, social distancing and all that. Yeah, we can with touch our, each other. With our about four feet of, of separation. We have a table in front of us, you know, and a bunch of things on our table. Let's yes. just say we're a little bit of a jumbled mess. Yes. But it's okay. I mean, today's crazy. I didn't even think it was St. Patrick's Day. I saw your boy Tom Brady's being shipped off to Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Dude, we'll see. I have not seen it officially. I'm going to hold out hope. I'm going to... Do you want him back be, at the Patriots? Be in, be in denial. No, I love him with the Jets because the Jets are my team. Oh, man. Um, so that's 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 where I'd love to see him. But the, the odds that... Uh, yeah. Yeah. So in talking about things kind of being a little bit different... This weekend, we did our first live stream ever. Let's just say it got kind of pushed up earlier than we were expecting, yeah. but uh, it was it was kind of fun uh, trying that out, seeing how that went, and just how even we had people who were different households who were hopping on watching us on Facebook Live, uh, who were watching us on Instagram. Yeah. And so just hearing some of those reactions were really cool and encouraging yeah. to see that people even in their homes were gathering and watching. Kyle, let me ask you, with us uh, doing our Sunday gathering, yeah. not having an audience out mm. there, well, let's just say your audience in the room was me, Charles, and Bram. Let's just say, like, how was it for you in talking to a phone the whole yeah. time? I mean, don't get me wrong. Charles can be anywhere, and he's going to yeah. talk yes. back. I love it. Yes. So yeah. how was how that? Good. So I think the piece that was most challenging to me was figuring out exactly where the lens was on the camera to know where <laughs> to know where to look it, just because even in the room just as i would talk and as i would communicate to to really to the to the phone to the audience those who who are who are watching online i was able to get a pretty good reaction from you from bram from from charles and gauge just where where my words were hitting and and honestly at the end of the day there was a moment up there, you know, where I had planned exactly what I was going to say. You know, I, I write out a lot yeah. of a lot of my teaching, a lot of my sermon, but it was just because I don't know whether it was the weight of the moment, but just the Holy Spirit took over and I just just went. And this is probably the longest in a sermon I have ever gone without looking at my notes. <laughs> and I just I just went, which was a. Unique experience because I wanted to make sure whether or not I was looking at you know the lens that's over here or over here. Or, yeah, you know, we, yeah, we had two ones set up. We had yeah, yeah. Facebook over yeah. here, then we had our Instagram set up off to the side. So you kind of went back and forth. Yeah, so I tried to go back and forth a little bit, and so that was definitely an interesting experience. But I just felt like the Holy Spirit just took over, and I was just like, "This is what I 
since God's saying, I knew what I had studied, I knew what I prepared, but at the end of the day, um, really felt like God was trying to get a message out um, about who he is, what he has done, and the type of church and people that he is forming, and really this cultural moment. Yeah. And so we, we are in a very unique situation, in a very unique scenario, uh, just in our time, uh, not just in our lives, but really yeah. historically um, and in our country. And I think the reason I say it's unique in this time is because there have been other pandemics, there have been other moments, there have been other, uh, I think of 9-11 in, in recent history. I, I was relatively young, but that, yeah. was, that was still a major, a major moment, but we weren't as connected then as we are now. The iPhone wasn't even a thing yeah. when 9-11 happened. And so really, a computer news in the palm of your hand yeah. wasn't a thing. And so you think about um, what's happening right now with the coronavirus and just the access to news and the bombardment and really the frenzy that's being stirred up, the, yeah. the what, wherever you land on the spectrum of how you feel about the disease. Mm. Um, I don't... One way or another, I just say is there, there's a frenzy. Yeah. I, I think just point blank at the end of it is whatever the feeling is, it's almost being at, at a frenetic pace. And so just in that moment, really just sensed God saying, there's a bigger story. This story needs to be highlighted and told. And the beautiful thing is, is we're in the middle of Colossians 2. And Paul is talking about a lot of external pressures and words. Yeah. And wants to very symbolically point the Colossian believers back to that bigger story. Mm. So in you talking about that, it, it is kind of interesting even to hear from you of how you had kind of had this teaching, this message prepared in what you felt like God was speaking to you through the week and some mm -hmm. of your study and stuff. So talk me through that for just a moment. You got up there and you said this is the longest you've gone without going back to yeah. it. Was there... What do you think maybe you didn't – is there any part of it that you feel like you didn't get to communicate, that you didn't get to share? Is there a chunk that you just kind of skipped over and you're like, eh, it's okay that I skipped over it? But yeah. is there a part that you feel like you missed? Mm. There, there were two things that I even went back and listened to it myself, and I wanted to make sure that I talked and, – and maybe we'll talk about it a little bit today – but I don't feel like I clarified um, where circumcision f fit into the larger story um, and why that was such a, a big deal for, for the church in that time and place. The other, the other piece is just, I think just, just probably more of that is the cultural context of the audience then yep. is, is I referenced it, but I didn't go into it in probably as much detail as I had hoped. Um, and then the other side of it is really clarifying how and why baptism is so important in the life mm. of life of the believer. As, as I talked about it being, I know co conversion initiation, but yeah. but it really is is one of the moments that we have to go back to in the life of the believer to say, I am part of this bigger story, and it's the moment at which. We can say confidently because of this act and really not because of the act altogether, mm -hmm. but it's because of the faith that leads to that act that allows us to, to say, I am part of the family of God. And it, and again, baptism both 
it's it's part of that conversion, but it's really also more or less that the part of that initiation piece. And so I clarified a little bit of that there, but that's that's a piece that I don't know how clear that came across because okay. because I kept referencing we're okay. part of a bigger story, we're part of a big story, we're part of a bigger story. Okay, well, cool. So it it's fun because it actually works out in some of the preparation today that maybe this is stuff that we can kind of table and come back to here in yeah. just a little bit. Hopefully. We'll kind of kind of our trajectory will take us there and be able to really expand upon that. Yeah, um, Kyle, I just have to ask you, what in the world led you to a skillet song from the early two um, thousands? Man, that's a throwback in and of itself. Yeah. So yes, I <laughs> my, my my music preferences uh, vary greatly. There is some music that is very popular that. Those who have known me for a long time, I will honestly say this music gives me a headache, and I've just I've just always been that way. But there's been some music, whether it was just the time and period in which I listened to it in my life, um, that really just brought. Um, it helped me express emotions. Okay. It helped me process emotions, and so the reason I went back to this early Skillet song is because of that story that I talked about in the third grade of. Of giving this 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 girl the double bird because I was being teased. Oh, I don't know if you clarified this. Yeah, that yeah. it was a girl. Yes. Man. So so it was it was it was a friend who was a girl at the time who I who I gave the the double bird to and and <laughs> I just you know my parents were like oh we shouldn't have let him ride the school bus or something you know like like that and uh, but I just and I, I can. No, in my memory, memory, I could be off as far as the year, but I'm pretty confident it was the third grade. I can remember the moment on the swing, yeah. uh, just being there, like someone else was playing tetherball, and I just, you know, you get up to that high point, like I'm swinging really high, uh -huh. and just, they just, on the ground, just badgering, 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 and it was like, just something visceral just, mm. just came out, and it was like... You know, oh, sometimes, yeah. sometimes the stuff that you it's just been building up, building up, building up that you think you have under control. Yeah. Just finally, the balloon popped, and mm. there, there I was. Yeah. I was, uh, I was getting sent to the principal's office so, <laughs> because I was being teased that I liked a girl, and there was no way at that time in third grade that I was going to admit that I liked um, that girl in particular. And that's, so that's a. That's a fun story. Wow. Yes. That's a... <laughs> and the that person, that, you did not clear, but that was a third grade girl. Yes. <laughs> you did, I love it. Yes. I thought it was just one of your buddies who just kind of jawing at you. All right. Yeah, so it was a combination of, oh, yeah. of people and stuff. And again, I was just embarrassed. That was back in the day when I had uh, really thin uh, eyeglasses, yes. too. Um, so it was... I was a little bit dorky, a little bit nerdy. Not to say that that's completely yeah. disappeared, but I just I wore that on my sleeve, um, and that was something I was picked on for. And mm. so I did my best to you know just kind of slough it off. But then, just one day, I got to a boiling point, and something that I had picked up probably from the school bus. Yeah. Ended up coming out, and that's that's how I dealt with it. That's funny, and I remember like in you telling this story and this whole connection of the almost this monster within this kind of almost just like 
maybe this sinful part of us, this monster, this anger, this thing that we might sometimes be aware, may not fully yeah. be aware, but it comes out in those moments and we're like, man, why did I do that? Yeah. Why, where did this come from? I remember there was an illustration you told us, um, man, this is probably back in the Fallen or Gnome series. And you were talking about us being like this cup and um, mm -hmm. it was, oh no, I remember what it was. This person walking around with a coffee cup and it's like, oh, you spilled yeah. the cup. And it's not the matter of us spilling. It's a matter of what's inside of us yeah. is going to come out. Yeah. It's what are you filling yourself with? Because eventually the world's going to knock you around and whatever's inside of you yeah. is going to come out. And for you in third grade, apparently a, a little girl was knocking. <laughs> no, uh, yes, knocking yes, side yes, side. yes. I was, and, I was and embarrassed. that's what came yeah. out of you. Yeah. And so I, I think it's an interesting correlation for us to even... Not necessarily what is, are we constantly putting inside of us, but what are we allowing to develop and fester mm. within us? Yeah. You know, is there almost this little monster that we kind of tuck away in a corner mm. and we allow, like, almost just kind of let it kind of nestle there? Yeah. We're still filling ourselves with other good things, everything. We might be filling ourselves with the Bible and everything, yeah. but there's still this almost this little... Uh, corner of our heart or something where we're allowing this monster to kind of sit and if we allow that to sit it yeah. festers it develops yeah. it waits for its moment yeah. in which it can just unleash well and sometimes we're it's we it's not even that we we leave it there and pretend to ignore it or control it for some of us and i try to highlight this out on the other side of that story is for some of us when that comes out is we just embrace it and we go well that's who i am so just deal with it yeah you know and mm -hmm. but but what the difficulty is 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 it's not so whatever the reaction is whether whether it's an embrace whether it's an ignore let's pretend like it doesn't exist and people are like hey you got this issue and you're like no I don't no, I, or yeah. you know you have it and you feel a level of guilt and shame and so you so you're trying to uh, control you it grit your teeth yeah you try and hold it back I yeah. I think the piece is is acknowledging that we we have something that's there. And the reason embrace, ignore, and control is so dangerous because when that when we come to grips with the monster, the whole point of the monster is the result, the root of it is sin. And so what makes it so dangerous is not that we that that we have it really, it's it's that we it's that we don't call it what it is. We, 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 we take it and we say, no, this is part of us and, and this is who I am. We, we, we put it and we link it to our identity. And anytime we link something with our identity that is contrary to who God says we are yeah. and, and ultimately our union with Christ um, signifies that. And again, we, we get to that in, in the baptism piece. Yeah. But anytime we link something to our identity in that way, that, that stretches us. Um, that, that sin and that separates us um, in a lot of ways from a holy and loving God because, again, sin is like pollution. It distances us because, yeah, it, it just it, it separates us. Yeah. It, it's <coughs> There's that cough I was waiting on. There it is. There's it. So, but I mean, <coughs> even this weekend, you, you try to make this correlation and talk about how sin. It can be like pollution. It's yeah. almost this uh, contamination within <clears throat> us that builds and festers, and it yeah. it corrodes us. Yeah. And the really the whole concept is it basically sets us apart. Like it drags us away from who we were supposed yes. to be, who we were created to be, 
it takes us away from that. Yeah. Well, and it's because we were created to be in union with God, mm-hmm. and, and and a holy God cannot connect with sinful people. Um, and that's why Jesus is so powerful, is because Jesus bridges that gap. He allows us to be connected to to Creator and Loving God. That is pursuing us. That loves us. Yeah. That wants that relationship with us. That that is drawing us near. But He does that through through His Spirit, through His Son, mm-hmm. and um, so we we have to identify the monster within. We can't embrace it. We can't try to ignore it. We can't try to control it. We have to essentially give it to someone who who can who can tame it, who can deal with it. In a way that takes it from being a monster to being something truly beautiful and redemptive. And that's what God does with with our sin, with our past, with our fears, with our failures. Okay. As he takes that in think places and times where we have missed the mark, where we have gone contrary to, to the way in which God has designed the world, to his will and his way. He, he takes that and he says, okay, here's how I'm going to reuse it. For good, when we surrender it back over to Him, mm. and ba- and also admit that this isn't how it's supposed to be. That yeah. you, in the practical piece of my sermon, I said, I said we have to admit it. Mm-hmm. If we never admit that this is not part of who we're supposed to be, yeah. nor who God has designed us to be, then then if we never get that point of admit, then what we will continue to do is we'll embrace it, which leads us um, in a way contrary to, to God. We'll ignore yeah. it, and we'll just exit in a exists in a, a state of ambiguity or we try to control it and yeah. guilt and shame will end up paralyzing us mm-hmm. um, and keep us uh, just in bondage. Yeah, so in so if I hear you right, you're making this connection between the what you call the monster within yeah. to what Paul identifies as the body of flesh mm-hmm. the, our fleshly mm-hmm. nature uh, that's within us and that's what he talks about here in Colossians 2, 11 and 13 and a lot of what we see yeah. here is more of this um, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not it's not a physical, but it's a spiritual mm-hmm. uh, procedure. So I know this is super kind of interesting when we look at the Old Testament and we see what circumcision was. It was a physical thing, but now we're talking about this spiritual yeah. aspect to it. Yeah. So what is this almost transition that Paul's making here with this? I think to be clear is, so the monster within is these sinful impulses and desires that lead us contrary to the way of God. And so what Paul is saying is he's saying we all have this. Yeah. We all have this, and what we have to do is we have to basically have that circumcised, have that be cut out of us. And that's mm-hmm. what really, as we get further into Colossians 2, Paul is going to talk about the ways in which we continue to come back to Getting that basically that, that cancer that sin is cut out of us mm. so that it doesn't corrupt us so, so that it doesn't corrupt our relationships yeah. both with other people mm. and with God um, and Romans talks about this this really well it talks about uh, Paul same author talks about how all people have exchanged the truth of God for a lie yeah. and what this monster is is it's embracing a lie embracing something that is different than the will and the way of God. Um, and again, Paul is talking about, we all have this. Yeah. We all have this. Um, and, and this is what he says in, in Romans 2. He says, therefore, anyone who judges is without excuse. For when you judge another, you condemn yourself. Since you, the judge, do the same things. Uh, we know that God's judgment on those who do such things is based on 
the truth. Um, and, and what Paul is really talking about is he's talking about these sinful impulses, these desires that, that keep us in bondage, that, that lead us to, to shame and uh, basically paralyze us and also, also in fear. And so when Paul comes back to, as we look in Colossians, and he's like, hey, you were circumcised in him with a circumcision, not known with hands, but putting off in the body of flesh. He's saying, listen, you may still have to deal with some of this stuff, but it was put off. It's not longer a part of you. Mm-hmm. And what happens is when we continue to go back and we, and we embrace these sinful impulses, we're actually inviting the monster to come back within. Okay. We're, we're saying, hey, you know, I, you, I've distanced you. I have the power of you. You can say no. The monster can be dealt with in a good and healthy and right way when we have said yes to following Jesus. But ultimately, um, at the end of the day, when we fail to realize we have the power over sin through faith, in Jesus, we invite that that power to come back and enslave us. Mm. And so, one of the things that you've talked about a lot, uh, even kind of recently, is how we basically sometimes we unintentionally set up boundary lines. We yeah. set the standard. We set rules, yeah. uh, additional things into our life that, uh, whether for ourselves or for others, of their walk with God. Yeah. Um, and you kind of tore some of that down and you identified that we, we don't get to set yeah. boundaries. We don't get to set rules. It, rather, we look to God and kind of what he set up for us. So let, let me just kind of throw this out there. Is there a set of a boundary or uh, what is the kind of process in which God has set up for us? If we are, what it says here, separated yeah. from, from God with this sin and we all have this fleshly nature, this sinful part of us, this that we acquiesce design. to, that yeah. we agree with. Yeah. So so the 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 standard is Jesus. The standard is Jesus. And what I, I think a great passage of scripture is Matthew five Matthew chapter five through seven. Because what Jesus talks a lot about there is is these these external rules that people said, okay, so so I'm not gonna steal. And so, like, stealing is a very physical, external thing. Yeah. But, but what he basically talks about was, well, do, do you covet? Do you do, you, do you do things with your mind that if, you, if there wasn't that rule there, that you would, you, would choose, you would choose to do it? He talks about lust. He talks about greed. He, uh, he talks about all these things that basically is just because you don't physically do them externally yeah. doesn't mean that the, the, the internal desire uh, – is any less bad so that he equates anger and murder a lot so he's like hey you might not go kill someone yeah but if you have anger against your brother it's it's the same equivalent and it and it's this this spiritual internal has to match the external Mm -hmm. the external can't simply uh the, the external can't be the only thing that's measured and the reason why boundary lines are so appealing to us because it allows us to maintain an image of of an external yeah. uh, agreement with a set of rules. So when people look at us and perceive us, they, they see us as maybe better better in terms of um, a better person, a good person, yeah. because that's what we've built the standard on. Yeah. The standard is, is, is Jesus. And so um, anytime that we begin to make choices externally, 
or our character internally does not match the character and priorities of Jesus, mm. we're existing in a state of, of sinful desire and, uh, and contrary to the way of God. Mm. And so it's interesting to hear you kind of... Um, kind of the way in which we frame this concept. Because one of the things you talked a lot about was this idea of surrender, Mm -hmm. which is very interesting when we're talking about dealing with, almost dealing with this monster within, because everything in which we talk about is this actionary thing of what we can do. Either do we embrace it, do we ignore it, do we control it? Uh, What effort do we put in? Do we will it away? You know, what can we physically do is so often of what we look at and yet this is a very contradictory it can seem contradictory and it's a very countercultural thing to say no rather what we're called to is a mm-hmm. surrender yes. which just sometimes just doesn't make sense of like yeah. what do you mean to surrender to almost cuz often we think of surrender as like giving up uh, saying yeah. we're going to let it just take over and have its way and yet mm-hmm. we talk about that with Jesus and there being freedom in that yeah so how how does that kind of how does that work so it's a surrender in this is a turning away from the mindset that we know what's best and a turning to and really a belief mm-hmm. that God knows what's best. Yeah. And so the two biblical words for that is repentance and belief. Mm-hmm. So early in the Gospels, you see Jesus say, hey, repent and believe, which basically means, hey, acknowledge that you don't know what's right. Like observe your own life and, and acknowledge yeah. there are some things that that don't quite add up, and then discuss this, share this with someone else, and then believe. Um, so, so make a plan, ho- allow others to hold you accountable, and then and then observe what actually or, and do actually what the will and the way of God is. So, so it's it's repent and believe. So it's a turning away from, and a, and it's a it's a turning to. And the reason that seems so paradoxical is we have to go back and we have to look at Jesus because a surrender is not necessarily giving up. Mm. It's a turning away from what we think is right and a turning away to say that the way of Jesus is right. And the reason surrender, we choose the word surrender, is because we look at Jesus. He gave up his life on the cross for us. Mm. He, he, he agreed to and willfully chose to die. Mm. But on the other side of death, there's life. And I think that's what's so challenging for us is it's not that it's not that we we want the life part, but we want life before death. And we don't realize that it's actually death that then leads to life. Is because if you think about just our natural lives, it's well you're born and then you die. Well in in, in the way in which God works, he's saying, well actually you, you, yeah. you die to have life. And so you die mm-hmm. to your sinful nature. You die, you die to the perspective that says you know best in order to then be made alive and begin to follow God's will yeah. and, and God's way. And so, again, it's, it's a little bit of upside. It's a selflessness. Yeah. It's, a, it's an other-orientedness. Yeah. It's, a, it's a death that brings life. Yeah. And the reason, and the reason that I think we just we have such a hard time with that is because we want to distance ourselves from death, and we have, and, and we have a hard time trusting that life comes on the other side of death, even though 
there are plenty of experiences in this world that tell us yeah. life comes on the other side of a seed has to go into the ground and die before it produces a new a, a new plant. Yeah. That is something that's verifiable what happens, but yet we we have a hard time really yeah. relinquishing the control um, that we think uh, we know what's best yeah. in order to agree to say, okay, in order to truly live, mm. I have to die to the impulses. I have to die to to the way I think, to the way, to my perspective, so that God can then live in me. And what the yeah. and again go back to some of the points I was making earlier. As God redeems that, basically what he does is he gives us that value back. And so everything we've gone through prior to the spiritual, in a lot of ways, the spiritual death to then be made yeah. new, is, is he, he brings value back to that. Yeah. He, he allows me go, to go back to and tell that story in third grade and, like, <laughs> and that, that we can laugh about it now because what, what I... In that moment, I realized there was something sinful in me that needed to be dealt with. Yeah. And and if I had not gotten in trouble or nothing like that had ever come out, yeah. I might have just gone on thinking, oh, I'm a pretty good kid. I kind of listen to my parents. Like, I get pretty good grades in school. Like, everything being okay. Yeah. But when everything is okay, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's God's way. Yeah, and it's really interesting you talk about this idea of death and new life. Because here in, I mean, right down here in what, verse 13, it, it literally says, it says, You were dead because of your sins. Mm -hmm. And because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Yeah. Then God made you alive with Christ. Mm -hmm. For he forgave all your sins. He cut away, he took away the sins yeah. that brought about this death. Mm -hmm. Because we're we're alive mm -hmm. and we are let's just be real we're corrupted we're broken this sin festers within us mm -hmm. it distorts us from who we are made to be and it brings about this death uh, you even see Jesus who never experienced this sinful nature this never sin in him in in of himself and yet he surrendered himself he sacrificed yes. took on all of our sin yes the past the present the future sins took that on and was literally buried in death and raised a new life. And that's what he calls us to. And uh, this is where I think, uh, kind of go into what you're talking about with baptism, what uh, you mentioned that you wanted to kind of bring about um, within this verse that you didn't get to touch on this weekend. Yeah, I think I think the piece with baptism is, it was so paramount for this first century audience. And, and it's, it's so important for us because it's not some other just external work that we do that says, sweet, I checked this box. But it's an act that in some way is passive almost isn't the right word. But it's it's something that the spiritual element of it is it's something God does in us. It's it's we can't baptize ourselves. Like we like it, it's something that, that we agree to and and it's this step of agreement that says I cannot live this life on my own, by my own strength, by my own power, my own perspective, because mm -hmm. I am simply a finite being that has come to grips with my, like, with my own humanity in the best possible way. And so sometimes the dirtiness that we feel, the reason baptism is so important, not because it, 
and literally bathes us and makes us clean. But but it says that is not the way that God sees us anymore. And and as we're made new, as we recognize that we're forgiven, we get to then live in such a way that that points back to that that cleanliness, that that, that cleansing that truly takes place, and. We need to know that we are cleansed because of Jesus. That the, that that we have that sin has no power over us. That the presence of sin in our life um, will one day um, just the presence of sin will, will one day fully be eradicated. Um, but also the penalty of our sin. So that's the other piece of this is when we cross a line, when Paul uses that word trespasses, he's saying you have crossed the line of God's, of God's will and God's way. And there's a penalty because of that. But when we are immersed into Jesus, the penalty that was owed us was put, was put on Jesus. Mm. And so the penalty has been removed. And that, that's what grace is because it's not yeah. – the, the penalty has been removed. But also we've been given the Holy Spirit, which, which proves that the power of sin has no like hold on us anymore. Yeah. And so we can, we can say no to these impulses that still creep up, yeah. that, that still pressure us from the outside and say, no, I'm going to choose obedience because of, of Jesus. Mm. And I don't have to live in a state of, of shame and of guilt when we look back at our past life. And also that w- when we get it wrong in the future, because we're going to yeah. get it wrong in the future, we don't have, to, we don't have to, to feel a level of shame like we have to hide it. And we don't feel like we have to continue to do all these things to measure up when we recognize that the penalty yeah. of our sin has been dealt with. And that's proven... Through, through our faith that leads us to baptism. Mm. I love it. And kind of how you talked about it this weekend of this idea that uh, we don't conquer our fleshly like impulses through additional rules or appeasing outside forces. Rather, we are, like, we're powerless to it. We can't will it away. We can't uh, yeah. put in so much effort to just get rid of it or anything. It's yeah. only by surrender, by surrendering to Jesus, which is so weird because in here what we see is that surrender leads to victory. Mm. which is just kind of uh, so just weird in how we view uh, what surrender really means. So I'm going to I'm going to throw something your way okay. kind of kind of off note. When we talk about this uh, concept of the monster within, what forms might it take and look mm. like? In your story, uh, kind of how we've talked about it, it it's really mm-hmm. come came out in like an anger kind mm-hmm. of way. Is there any other forms it might take on in helping us to be able to identify uh, these different uh, monsters within this sinfulness that uh, comes along with us. Hmm. I, I think the it shows up in a couple areas. Um, I, whatever your greatest nightmare is, whatever you fear the most, um, something happening, I think it shows that we have believed something um, faulty about who God is. Mm. And the reason I make that connection to that is because when we have a level of nightmare, it, it, it shows us where, where our sin really is at. So whether it's, we feel like we have to prove ourselves like, so if it's like Mm. someone who we love and trust say, 
sorry, like you don't measure up. And it's yeah. like, okay, I'm going to make sure that doesn't happen. I'm going to make sure I'm always successful um, or put up, put my best foot forward. And again, that's not, that's not always a bad thing, but when, it, when a good thing becomes a God thing yeah. is it becomes an idol. And so, uh, so that, so that's a great nightmare. So for a lot of people, the present situation that we're in is a, um, is is a nightmare because there's uncertainty there's chaos and we're so used to having control we like we like to be in the know yeah and so so control um that comes out in anger and so that's even in my story of of the third grade it's like i like to be in control (laughs) i i didn't like it that that other people were making up an opinion about me or it's making judgment or identity statements about who I am and what I thought and felt. Yeah. And I felt in that moment the only way I could control was to lash out in anger, which then was to attempt to gain a level of power uh, back in that situation. And so uh, whenever we feel the propensity to control, whenever we feel like we have to have the power, whenever we feel like we need the approval of others, mm. or, or, or we pursue a level of comfort. And so... Anything that rocks the boat of comfort or enjoyment. Yeah. Um, so so if, if you fear like boredom or um, what's what's another one uh, besides boredom? But it's or it's like or like you're going to miss out. I think the fear of missing out is always a good one. It's like or it's like, ooh, like like, uh, yeah, you know, the fear of better options or the fear of missing out. Both of those. It's. It's the, we rack our mind because it's like, ooh, like life is about chasing the experiences. Life is about chasing um, every moment of joy. Rather, and rather, the, the goal is that when we rest in who Jesus is, yeah. and when we remember that he is the center and he is the hero, mm-hmm. then we don't have to be. Yeah. Which means that we've been approved of before God. We can trust that he is in control. Yeah. It means that, uh, that, that the, the opinions of others don't have power over us. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like Jesus becomes our, our joy. And, and, and so we, we can have, we have this sense of peace and this sense of rest that then allows us to simply live yeah. rather than be consumed um, or be devoured uh, by our sin, which again, in the metaphor is, is a monster. And so, um, our sin wants to, in a lot of ways, devour us. It wants to consume us. Um, but when we recognize that our sin is not who we are, we, when we don't attach it to our identity, mm-hmm. and we remember who we are, comes from our union with Christ, yeah. through Christ as we are, then we're able to have a different perspective on sin. We're willing to, to, to make choices, to root it out, to cut it out, to get rid of it. Yeah. Um, and we're also willing to to make choices um, in relationships with others and in our relationship with God to, that helps um, just solidify that belief and yeah. that narrative that we are that we are made in God's image, that we are loved, yeah. that we are worth it. Um, and so we need that bigger story in our life. Yeah. And so as we kind of wrap up here i think it'd be i think this would be a really good kind of ending spot for this moment 
um, you kind of came around to our value of story over sin mm-hmm. there uh, near the end. I think it's a good uh, way to kind of sum up kind of where you're trying to get at uh, with this um, point in Colossians. So uh, would you kind of kind of make that connection dot of mm-hmm. why you connected to that value and even how in kind of in our everyday life, mm-hmm. what what it looks like to choose story over sin mm-hmm. as we kind of go about our everyday life where we live, work, and play. Yeah. Story gives meaning to language. Um, every word we know has a meaning because of the story in which that word was defined. Um, and we need we need a language. We need a story that tells us who God is, what he has done for us, who we are, and how to live in response of that. Yeah. And, that's, and that's what the gospel story is. So that's what story over sin in a nutshell is. It's saying you do not have to be defined by your sin, by your past, by your fears, by your fears. You can actually be defined by the story of God. By who God says you are, by who He is, and what He has done for you. And how that begins to play out in our lives and others is we are willing to listen to someone else's story before we judge their sin. We need people in our life who reinforce who God says we are rather than reinforce our past, our fears, and our failures. The sin, the places we miss the mark, and to, to to embrace the story aspect, it means we have to admit when we do miss the mark, when we do get it wrong, when when we do mess up. Yeah. But at the same time, we have to come back to it's story over sin. Yeah. We don't pretend like sin doesn't exist. We don't pretend like we don't miss the mark. We don't pretend like we we ever don't step outside the bounds of God's will and God's way. But what we remember is that God has done something that has allowed us to be brought back into the family, to be a part of um, what he wants to do in the world. And so all of us are living our lives under a dominant story. Mm. So I don't know what that story is for you. I don't know the self-talk that's gone through your head. Mm. I don't know the people that you surround yourself with that are telling you a story over and over and over again. And if you are not aware of what story they are telling you, and again, it can even sound right and good, and that's what's so dangerous about these Colossian believers, is they are being told a story that sounds good, but ultimately is contrary to the will and to the way of God. Um, so whether it's your, your story of your origin, your family story, the, the, the stories that we tell ourselves, um, m- Many cases, these stories, they tell us lies. And there's one true story. And that story is the story of God found in the Bible. And in this story, it redeems, it heals, and completes our personal stories. The smaller stories within the one true bigger story. Now today is St. Patrick's Day. And what I think is absolutely incredible is St. Patrick lived this out. He's a missionary to the, the, to Ireland, um, and this is what um, one of the, the books I read said this about Patrick. It says Patrick's mission faced the most opposition from the Druid, from the Druids who practiced magic, 
were skilled in secular learning, especially in law and history, and they advised Irish kings. But St. Patrick uh, wrote this as he was oppressed, as he was bombarded with people who rejected the story that he was bringing um, against a hostile culture, people who thought differently, government who, who wanted things differently. And Patrick wrote this. He says, daily I expect murder, fraud, or captivity. But I fear none of those things because of the promises of heaven. I have cast myself into the hands of God Almighty, who rules everywhere. Patrick was fully convinced as the Celts that the power of the Druids was real, but he brought news of a stronger power. We need to remember that the story of God points to a stronger power. And that's why we talk about story over sin. Because story over sin says that everything we do, we want to be done because of Jesus for generations to come. Because of God has worked in our life and can work in our life. He can free you from the change, from the fears, from the guilt and shame in your life. He's proven that because of Jesus. He's going to continue to do that in this world and in our time, no matter what fear, what anxiety we may have about this cultural moment for generations to come.